The Gospel according to Luke, the ninth chapter. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly, they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep. But since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent, and in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. On the next day, when they had come down from the mountain, a great crowd met him. Just then, a man from the crowd shouted, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son. He is my only child. Suddenly, a spirit seizes him, and all at once he shrieks. It convulses him until he foams at the mouth. It mauls him and will scarcely leave him. I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Jesus answered, you faithless and perverse generation, how much longer must I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. While he was coming, the demon dashed him to the ground in convulsions. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And all were astounded at the greatness of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to God on high this Transfiguration Sunday. Glory to God in the highest and peace to God's people on earth. Today is about what mountaintop experiences mean, what they show, and then what happens after we come down the mountain. Our first reading from today speaks about the story of Moses, or at least part of the story of Moses. And he's coming, he's kind of going up and down the mountain. He's coming down the mountain with, with God's law. Um, He's coming down with the Ten Commandments to give to God's people as a gift for people who've been enslaved for hundreds of years and really have just been told what they have to do and when to do it and how to do it. They now need this law in order to live as God's people, to be blessed by God in order to be a blessing to the world. And of course, they needed to be freed from those oppressors. And so in this, in this book of Exodus, we have these stories of God's deliverance. Exodus, by the way, just means the road out. Odus is road, and ex means out. And so, wow, there we go. 
And so, yeah, the voice of the Lord. Um, And so we have this story within the exodus of of Moses coming down the mountain. And, uh, of course, in this gospel story, we have Elijah and Moses both with Jesus, kind of meeting with him. And the story of Elijah has kind of a similar uh, uh, kind of theme, if you will, to what to what uh, Moses is doing. Elijah is, has this kind of bloody battle with the prophets of Baal, the false prophets, and, and he's running for his life. He's running away because uh, he's won this battle, or God, rather, has won this battle, and they're after him, and they want to kill him, and he, he gets so frustrated running away and going up this mountain that he just wants to lay down and die. He says, God, I'm done with this place. Let's just get it over with. But instead, God comes to him in, in the still, small voice and speaks to him a word of grace and peace. He re- revives Elijah, even feeds him uh, physically as well as spiritually, and then sends him down the mountain to not only call Elisha to help him as a prophet, but also to give a word of hope to God's people in one of their most difficult times, one of the most difficult times in their history. Well, Exodus is a word here, and we don't see it exactly in the English, but if you look at verse 31 in our gospel for today, it says, they appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, Jesus' departure. Well, Jesus isn't going to to depart in the scene, actually quite the opposite, but his departure is his exodus, his road out. And so what is the road out for Jesus? Well, I think we can look at a few ways in which people today within the church and outside of the church in our culture kind of look for a road out or even a way out. The road out could be um, one that gets us caught up in this mountaintop, kind of like Peter today, who wants to just stay there. He wants to kind of live in this ecstatic and, and glorious experience with Jesus and with Moses and Elijah and just build dwelling places and kind of stay up there on the mountaintop. And there are definitely people who do that, and even kind of expressions of the church historically who have done that. Kind of stay up there in the glory of God and just transcend all of this garbage that's going on down below, right? Don't care about that that stuff. You know, we're just going to lift ourselves up. We're going to be sort of these chosen folks up here on this mountain, and we're going to just sort of fly by or just sort of glide over the cares of the world. And so there's this ecstatic connection with God, but this complete dismissal of worldly things. And again, that's been a popular path for some in the past. The opposite of that, and, and, and I would even say it might even be kind of a reaction to that, is that the road out can be kind of a denial as well. This kind of cynical look at the world. There's so, much, there's so many terrible things happening. Look at the cares and the troubles of the world, and it all seems hopeless. And there's kind of this, again, this cynical conclusion. How can there possibly be any kind of benevolent God, small g or large g, in this world or in this universe? And just kind of dismissing the chance of any divine goodness as as kind of a wishful fairy tale. That's a really popular and even kind of growing way to our road out, right? I might add here that in our current situation, there may be another road out, that one of, of, um, of kind of looking for power and control, trying to look at the cares of the world or look at the anxieties that we have about the things that are going on in the world and get to the point where we have the power to kind of control and manipulate those kinds of things. 
I'm not an expert on the war in Ukraine for sure, but I know something of Putin's kind of shady rise to power and the ways in which this sick and needless war right now is dehumanizing and victimizing our brothers and sisters. In fact, the denial of Ukraine is even a, a country itself calling it a mythical place that never existed. That's a denial of identity is actually the pathway of pretty much every abuser, whether it's just on small scale or a large scale. And calling Ukraine a mythical country is nothing less than verbal abuse added to physical abuse. That's another way out, is to grab control. And we can do that in small ways or as we're seeing in very large ways as well. But God offers a different way out, a different road out, if you will. In fact, God, if we look in the, in the scriptures, especially in the Hebrew Bible and the Old Testament, we can see this thread of promise that God gives way back from the beginning, really in the creation story, but it really kind of solidifies in that promise to Abraham and Sarah. And that thread of promise gets, gets just tiny and bare at times. Sometimes it's really a thick thread, but, but oftentimes it gets so thin it seems like it's going to be cut or disappear altogether. And yet God continues to enter into the story and to keep that thread of promise going. We see that in the story of Moses and the deliverance of God's people. We see that in the Elijah story as well, giving hope to God's people in the midst of such trouble. And so God seems to have this personality of walking this road out from slavery into freedom, from death into life. But here's the thing, it's different today. The road out, the exodus, is different this time. No longer shall it be an exodus from the death-dealing powers only, but this is going to be a deliverance from death itself. And you might notice, what is the first thing that happens when Jesus comes down the mountain? Remember? You can participate at this part. Amen's easy. Remember what happens when Jesus comes down? What does he do? <laughs> All right, I'm not hearing you, so. He heals a boy who's overcome by evil, possessed. And in so doing, he also heals a father who is overcome with anxiety and sorrow for his son. It's interesting, both readers, both moms, in the first service and in the second service, you could really hear the pain as they communicated what that father's going through. But you also might notice that this is a healing story that the disciples can't pull off. They can't fix it. And I think that's a sign for us as we see Jesus coming down the mountain that the overwhelming sin and the overwhelming sorrow and brokenness in this world cannot ultimately be fixed by humanity. There will not be, in this exodus, there will not be a messenger of God this time, but instead God alone comes down the mountain. God in the flesh. God alone who has the power to save. God alone who has the power to heal. God alone who has the power to restore. And not just deal with the death-dealing powers, but to deal with the source itself. And we, we who are followers of Jesus, come down the mountain with God in the flesh. We come down with the glory of God made manifest in this world. We journey with Jesus. We're on the edge of journeying with Jesus through this Lenten season that is upon us. And it's an incredible, an incredible gift as we walk into the season, as we get this closer walk with Jesus who has come down 
from this mountain, who has brought the glory of God down to our level. It's an incredible thing right now to carry with us the truth that nothing on this earth, or even after our time here, has the power over the life God gives in Jesus Christ. Moses doesn't come down this time to free us from the Romans or free us from some other kind of world power. Elijah doesn't come down the mountain this time to free us from false worship. God comes down the mountain to free us from all of these things and to free us from so much more. To free us from the source of all things which weigh us down and which weigh the world down. Glory be to God for this promise that is given to us and to God's people. And thanks be to God that we actually carry this promise. We carry it in our bodies. We carry it in our words. We carry it in our actions to a world that is broken and a world that is in need. We have seen God's glory. Not just to bask in it or to escape from the troubles of this world, but to take that glory down with Jesus and to enter with hope and promise and life. Amen.